Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. WQAD Podcast Network. Movers and shakers leading businesses, nonprofits, governments, and schools across the Quad City area, Illinois, and Iowa. How did they get started? What is their story? Their goals? Their advice for the next generation of the girl power movement? And now, here's your host for Wonder Women, News 8's Angie Sharp. Powerful women with powerful positions. This is the Wonder Woman podcast, a show dedicated to showing off the girl bosses in our communities. My guest is Mara Downing. She's the president of the John Deere Foundation. Welcome, Mara. Thank you, Angie. I'm so glad that you're here and one of our Wonder Women. I've been wanting to sit down with you for so long to just hear about what the John Deere Foundation is, what the good work you guys are doing, because I think a lot of it is very, very quiet. We don't hear a lot about the John Deere Foundation, but of course we hear a lot about John Deere, right? Yes, (laughs) yes. Well, thanks so much for having me on your show today. Yeah. So tell me what the John Deere Foundation is, what you do for them. Sure. So my job at Deere and Company, I'm actually the Vice President of Brand and Communications, and I'm the President of the John Deere Foundation. And so I always say I have one of the best jobs at John Deere. It's really a fun job. We get to tell our story. We get to influence our awesome reputation. We get to build the brand. And then from a citizenship perspective or through the foundation, we get to bring our higher purpose to life by investing in all of our communities where John Deere has a presence across the globe. So John Deere is just like farming, right? (laughs) That's probably... Probably what you hear from a lot of people, right? They don't understand how big and vast John Deere and their purpose and mission is. Exactly. And the fact of this journey that we're on to become a technology company. When right. you think about the future of tech and where John Deere is headed from in precision ag and also in our construction forestry business, technology is the future. And it's really exciting to be part of that journey. Has the John Deere Foundation been around as long as John Deere's been around, or when did the foundation kind of get its get its legs? The John Deere Foundation was established in the late 1940s, okay. although John Deere's always been dedicated to the communities where we live and work, and it actually started with the found, our founder, John Deere himself. He was the mayor of Moline. He raised funds for the very first stoplights in downtown Moline, <laughs> and then he, um, you know, continued this philosophy of giving back, and it's just, you know, been part of our 180-year-plus history. You know, it's interesting to think about um, the influence John Deere's had in this community. In fact, we partnered with the Red Cross and started the very first Red Cross chapter here in the Quad Really? Cities. I didn't know that. Yes. So that's a, that's a little fun fact for the day. I love that. So give me some examples of what kinds of things the John Deere Foundation does here in the Quad Cities. Um, across the country and around the world, because I know you guys do some really great worldwide projects. We do. So the John Deere Foundation is focused in three areas. We focus on community development, and in community development, we're really focused on how can we 
eliminate poverty in our communities or reduce poverty and help people live their best life. And so that's really our focus in community development. We focus on youth education and in that focus area we're focused on encouraging kids to graduate from high school. So we partner with all of our local school systems and, um, and learn what, what programs we can support that are best going to, to work for that school. So for instance, a program that might work for schools in the Davenport School District might be different than the programs we support in Rock Island. And we really work with those superintendents to help create that path and that investment plan. We also encourage um, careers in science, technology, and engineering and math. Mm -hmm. STEM. And so STEM. <laughs> and so we have significant investments in STEM and then also encouraging um, uh, kids to pursue careers in agriculture. Okay. And then our final focus area, and this is really uh, where a lot of our global investments take place, it's called Solutions for World Hunger. And this is where we're partnering with some of the world's poorest farmers, farmers that are earning a dollar or two a day and helping them improve productivity in their field. And this is really important for a couple of reasons. At first, most of the people engaged in agriculture at this level are females. And so we're partnering with women across the world to help wow. them not only feed their families, but it's feeding their villages and then ultimately um, uh, feeding, feed, you know, producing crops for export. And so our investments in this area are really around how do we improve productivity in the field, how do we help them get the most out of the crops that they're planting, and how can we improve their quality of life. Mm -hmm. Why is it female farmers? I, I guess I always, when you picture a farmer, I think you picture a male, right? And I think probably the majority of farmers in the U.S. are probably male. Well, you know, we have an increasing um, percentage of women yeah. engaged in agriculture, which is terrific to see. Right. But when we look in markets like India and Sub-Saharan Africa, a lot of times the men leave the rural areas and go to urban areas for higher paying jobs. Oh. And so they'll be gone for a couple months at a time and then come back to the family. And so if we can help improve productivity on the farm, increase those incomes, then the men tend to come back and you have a, so, a whole family unit, which is really important when you you think about youth education and keeping kids in school because what happens is when the when the girls reach puberty in a lot of these communities they drop out of school to help on the family farm oh. and um, and our goal is to really help those girls stay in school and receive an education and ultimately improve productivity for in the quality of life for those farmers yeah that that is really really fascinating a lot of these uh, women in other parts of the country they are kind of the breadwinners they're the they're the crop the crop farmers. Right. Wow, I, I didn't realize that. Yes. So the John Deere Foundation is really has its hand all over the world. Right. So we have facilities in over 30 different countries across the globe. And our philosophy is we want to invest in our, in our own communities first. And so we invest a lot of our resources in communities where we have employees and facilities and a large presence from a manufacturing perspective. From there then, there are some communities where we're investing, like in Sub-Saharan Africa and in India, we're investing in communities where John Deere might not have a presence, but we have a dealer presence, and we know that there's a significant amount of need. And so it's you know, sort of that last mile or the poorest of the poor where we think that there's opportunity to improve agricultural productivity, enhance the, improve the quality of life, and there's a viable future for agriculture. 
So you, as the president of this foundation, how are you able to keep up with everything that the foundation is doing at any given time? How are you, how do you run this amazing foundation? Well, you know, first it's about having a remarkable team. Okay. I have a really talented team with folks across the globe, really, managing these investments. We partner with our dealer channel in places where if we don't have a presence, like I talked about in India and Sub-Saharan Africa, we partner with our dealer partners to help us ensure that the dollars are being invested in, you know, um, uh, above the board and that we're getting mm -hmm. the results that we want to that we want to achieve. And then we have terrific nonprofit partners. Our work wouldn't be possible even here in the Quad Cities without terrific nonprofit partners. That's awesome. So how did you get into this? How did you get in into uh, nonprofit work, foundation work, and John Deere? You know, it's uh, I've had an interesting um, career path at John Deere. So I my background is actually accounting and finance. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, so I started in the tax department yeah. at John Deere. And um, but you've been with John Deere for your pretty much your whole career. Well, no. So I've been with John Deere for twenty years. Okay. Okay. And prior to John Deere, I was in public accounting. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm a third-generation John Deere employee. Mm -hmm. I actually grew up in a lot of small rural communities. Mm -hmm. And so when I graduated from college, I thought, I just want to go experience a big city for oh. a couple of years. And I lived in Chicago. And after um, working in public accounting, which was a fabulous foundation, mm -hmm. by the way, it taught me a lot about hard work. Yeah, I was going to say, and, you know, my dad was one of those. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I understand that. Late hours. Late yeah, hours. Busy seasons, all that. Exactly. But it, the, just the fundamental that a young kid graduating from college mm -hmm. that you need, the structure that I needed at that time, and it was a, a fabulous foundation. And when I left public accounting, I'd been in an area called credits and incentives. And so I was working with um, government agencies like the city of Chicago and establishing tax increment finance districts and enterprise zones in areas of the city that needed to be redeveloped. They were blighted areas and there was an opportunity for reinvestment. And then we'd work with our private sector clients to encourage them to invest in these areas from a tax perspective mm -hmm. um, if, if they were looking to do so. And so uh, from that experience, I came to Deere and I had a similar role, but I managed a variety of different projects. And it was it was terrific because it really helped build, uh, lay a solid foundation and helped me start building my network. Mm -hmm. I was working on a number of different projects where I'd work with engineers at all of our manufacturing units that I still stay in touch <laughs> with today. Um, or who I still stay in touch mm -hmm. with today. And so, uh, you know, that, that experience was fantastic. Um, my work then and that at Deere connected me with our public affairs group. And so I became a lobbyist for Deere, managing our state government relations in Des Moines. And then from there, I moved to Washington, D.C. and led our international affairs team. Wow. And that was a fabulous experience. When I look back at the time, it was 2008, right oh. when the financial crisis yeah. started here. And um, governments were doing some interesting things to protect their own um, countries and economies and their people by introducing a lot of uh, protectionist legislation that really prevented some of the products we manufacture here, like our combines at Harvester Works. We're having trouble exporting those to markets like Russia and Ukraine and other, and other markets across the globe. So I spent a lot of time in that role working with over like um, the embassies of those countries that are represented export markets for deer products, but then also time on the ground in those countries, um, really establishing a presence from a government affairs perspective. And so we really globalized our efforts and you know had some win-win partnerships, um, not only with our uh, 
with those countries and but also with our customers and really helping our customers be successful and so from there I received a phone call to come back to the Quad Cities to lead the John Deere Foundation and to really globalize what we were doing from a social responsibility perspective. Wow <laughs> so I mean a lot of it is about connections right and the networking and just understanding where everybody is kind of a piece of the pie isn't it? Right and keeping an open mind yeah. and being willing to learn you know every new role there's an opportunity to learn something new and so I I just think having that approach and and having a background clearly in process and demonstrated results those are those are really important things as well to, to being successful in any career hearing like your career path like stresses me out because <laughs> I don't know like if I would have gotten the call to be you know go to DC and become like this government affairs kind of liaison or lobbyist uh -huh. then getting that call to become the president I mean those are big shoes to step into and it, it kind of like stresses me out. Like, how, how are you like, okay, this is an opportunity, not a challenge, and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to, it's going to be okay. Right. Well, you know, it's always intimidating. Yeah, change intimidating. Change is scary, yeah. right? But I, I really thrive on change. Okay. You know, I think it's fun to have a new experience and, you know, to, to think about new opportunities and how to approach um you know, challenges in a different way. But I have to tell you, I've had a wonderful support network with just mentors and coaches and colleagues along the way that have just been terrific cheerleaders and really have helped me feel comfortable taking on new experiences and new responsibilities. Yeah, taking risks. And I mean, be is it okay to kind of be like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, somebody help me, you know, like I love this opportunity, but you, you're going to need to kind of guide me a little bit, right? Definitely. And asking questions. You can't be afraid to ask for ask questions or asking for help. I mean, that's a really important piece. Really understanding, okay, what does success look for, like for me in the next six months, in the next 12 months? Anytime I take on something new, that's one of the first questions I have with the stakeholders I'm working with is, you know, what does success look like to you? How can I deliver on that? And then, um, you know, really creating an inspiring vision and, and uh, you know and that that others will want to uh, follow right mm -hmm. and they want to be on that path with you I think that you you never do it alone it's always a team effort mm -hmm. I, I believe and and like I said whether it's a team of your coaches and mentors helping you along the way um, uh, or, or the folks you work with you know it, it, that's a big part of, of success I believe so I would say like probably one piece of your advice is to find that mentor, find that coach, right? That's going to help you kind of grow and be able to ask those questions, be that sounding board, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so I always say I have an informal board of directors. You know, <laughs> well, that's at, good. I at, like that. At Dear, we um, uh, have a lot of women go through a program called Women Unlimited. And while I have not personally gone through Women Unlimited, I've gone through a couple of other leadership development programs. Um, I think that they talk about having this board of directors or an informal board of directors. And that's definitely how I think of some of my, um, my mentoring and coaching relationships. For the most part, I, I don't have an ulterior motive with my <laughs> network, right? Like right. I have a network and first and foremost, it's how do I support the people in the network as well? It's a two-way dialogue, right? I need to support those people in my network as much as they support hmm. me. And whether it's personal friendships or family or um, a business relationship, you know, how do I continue to cultivate and help that network thrive? I think that that's really important. And then when it comes to the coaching and mentoring or that informal board of directors, being really clear about what I want from each one of those folks and what I can provide them in 
return. And so, you know, I have several mentors here in the community I meet with on a regular basis to say, you know, how did I come across in this meeting? Can you help me with my own style? Because I can be really direct and mm. candid and sometimes that's not always the best approach and so <laughs> sure. it depends want, on the audience right exactly yeah. and so I love feedback from people mm. on you know how can I improve how can I better make my point how can I bring people along with us on this journey and so there are several folks uh, in the community that I ask for for that feedback internal at DEER uh, you know, if I need to give a presentation to a group of senior leaders, I uh, there's one person in particular that I always schedule time with to say, do you mind if I do a dry run with you? Oh, nice, yeah, And can idea. you provide me some feedback? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things, I get so excited to talk about some of the amazing things that we're doing. I talk or I speak really fast. Yeah, and so I do that too, yeah. they help me slow down, mm -hmm. take a deep breath, and, um, and really convey the excitement uh, that passion. we have and the passion for the work that we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did being a woman factor into your story? This is something we ask of all of our Wonder Women. Did being a woman factor in your story? Do you think it impacted your success? You know, it's interesting. Um, a couple of different thoughts here. So first, you know, I've had two wonderful women to follow in their footsteps. So when I came back to lead the foundation, Amy Nimmer was moving on to a new role within our human resources group. And she was a wonderful, and still is, a wonderful mentor and friend and um, really set the bar high and, you know, kind of paved the way. Okay. Um, on the Deering Company side, uh, Vice President of Com uh, Communications and Brand, Frances Emerson was a, a wonderful role model for me and a boss. And, and so she really paved the way for what it means to be a strong woman, to be, to be thoughtful, to be engaged, and to set a strategy and a vision for the organization. And so I learned a lot from her as well. So when I think about, you know, gender and how that's influenced my career, you know, I'm the youngest of three, mm -hmm. and um, it's just interesting because our parents were the greatest cheerleaders for all three of us, mm -hmm. you know. Brothers or sisters? I, I have one sister and one okay. brother. Okay, okay. And they were the greatest cheerleaders for all of us. So if we ever came home and said, well, I don't think I can do this, mm -hmm. that was never an option. We, <laughs> we could always do whatever we put our mind to, right? And even if we were, you know, I remember I went out for cross-country running my sophomore year in high school. And, and I, <laughs> That's no going to be a good story. Right, none of us were runners. <laughs> and, um, but it was great exercise. And even though I finished last or second to last almost every meet, I, uh, but you know, my parents were there at every meet cheering me on, oh. you know, that's great, you're, you're going to be good, you're going to be better for this, you're going to learn something from this, you're going to take something away from this. You know, and, and similarly, I remember my brother, he, he wanted to take a break from school when he was a sophomore in college, oh. and, um, and my parents said, absolutely not, you're not taking a break <laughs> no. from school, and you know, he kind of had a, a different path than my sister and I. You know, and I look at it, my sister is actually an oral surgeon, which is a male-dominated field as Big well. Time. And, you know, it never really phased us. We mm -hmm. thought, well, we can do whatever we put our mind to. And I think a lot of that had to do with her upbringing. That's awesome. Now, that's not to say that I haven't met people along the way. You know, um, I, I got married later in life. And, and when I was in D.C., I had so many people say to me, what does your family think about you traveling all the time? And I would always come back with, well, my parents think it's a great learning experience <laughs> yeah. for me. Siblings love me. Yes, right, exactly. support me. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you have... Um, questions like that that you have to manage throughout your career that maybe a male wouldn't be asked those same things but I think that by and large um, you know I've never um, 
had a concern about, you know, when I go to a meeting, I put my things down right in the middle of the table, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I've, I've never, I've always had the confidence to do that. And I think a lot of that's a reflection of how I was brought up. Mm -hmm. So that's a word to the wise to any parents who are listening. And I know some parents do listen on behalf of their sons and daughters um, that tell them that they can do it, right? That sometimes it starts with exactly the way that you are raised. Exactly. So that you don't Think of those things as obstacles and all your gender as an obstacle. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Um, is it is it rare, though, to have women in your position? Was it rare, even out of college, to be in the public accounting kind of scene? Was it rare? To, were you one of the only women when you were in Chicago at your public accounting firm? You know, uh, our, I would say that we had a very diverse group of okay. people in accounting at... Um, I was at Arthur Anderson, okay. and we had a really diverse group there. When I came to Deere, the tax department at Deere is very diverse. <laughs> Our finance division is diverse. Our brand and communications area, very diverse. And so I would say that the one place where it was a bit rare, and it wasn't so much from a John Deere perspective, but externally, when I was in D.C., I was focused on a lot of trade topics, mm -hmm. and I would say that most of the folks in the meetings there it was rare to have a woman there representing a Fortune 100 company. Sure. Uh, but I would say, you know, we've had some great folks uh, prior to me, like I said, with Amy and Francis sort of paving the way. And so, um, and so it's, it's great to follow in their footsteps and to learn from them. I always hear about um, how it's great that we're starting to get more women at the table, mm -hmm. but we can't stop there. We need to make sure that they have voices at the table, that they're speaking up. Have you noticed in your career path that not only are more women in these fields sitting at the table, but more women's voices are being heard as well? Oh, I definitely yeah. agree with that. I think that, that, you know, I think a number of leaders are seeking our opinions out. You know, if our voices aren't being heard, hey, we'd like you to be at the table. Can you share that? I, um, you know, just the other day, I, was, I, I serve on a number of uh, community boards here, and I'm stepping down from one of those board positions, and um, someone said, you know, I'm really sad to see you go. We really need more um, uh, female voices at this table. Yeah. It would be great if you could think about a female successor for this position. <laughs> and so I think that the community is hungry for that. Local nonprofits are hungry for that, and so are local businesses. What do you think that brings differently than a male voice? What do you think a female voice brings? Well, you know, I think that um, females tend to be more empathetic. Yeah. Um, you know, they tend to put, at least this is my experience, I tend to put myself in other people's shoes first. And so I think before I speak and I want to bring everybody along on that journey. And I think that maybe that's one difference. And, um, and more collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. They're very open to bringing other people in, hearing opinions, and then leading with their, with their hearts and minds. And I know you probably, you've heard the statistic that boards or companies that have more females on their boards usually make more, more profits, right? You know, yes. we hear about that a lot. I know you and I have done the um, Women Lead Change Conference together, and we've heard that, that when you put more women on your boards, have more women in your company, you're going to be more successful. There is, there is truth to that. <laughs> I, I agree with that. And I think just um, diversity in general. I yeah. think having diversity in thought and different perspectives is really important. Yeah, not just gender, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Here are two big questions for you, okay. Laura. What is a Wonder Woman to you? Well, you know, when when you ask that question, I think of superheroes, you know, and that's where my imagination goes. But when I think about what is a Wonder Woman, I think, you know, every day we encounter Wonder Women. And it, they're, they're people who are humble and kind. But I think the ones that really stand out to me are the ones who 
have a really strong value system. They know what they stand for. They know what they believe in. And they are so passionate about that. They go above and beyond to, to get engaged and give, to give back to that cause. And whatever it is, whether it's family. And, you know, when you think about success, it's not just about business success. You know, if you're home with children, that that's a huge job. Oh, yeah. And what does success <laughs> look like there? Mm -hmm. And so... You're raising I think, children. You're raising our future. Exactly. It's it's just absolutely, um, ab absolutely uh, incredible what a, a, a parent um, or a single professional or whatever you might be, what we're all juggling on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I think how you approach life, you know, glass half full, being optimistic, I think that that's incredible. But I think it's um, leaving a positive uh, impact or making a positive uh, contribution to someone's life or to the community every day. That, that's a, a Wonder Woman in my opinion. You know, if we can leave um, one person's life better or our community stronger as a result of our efforts and our work, I think that, that that's gonna make our, our world a better place. Yeah, and I think that that goes right into the question that we always ask on this podcast. And what is your advice for the next generation of the Girl Power Movement? You, right now, are already paving the way, right? Just like your mentors and coaches and your uh, informal board of directors have done for you, what do you hope that our next generation of women know and what do we need to tell them? You know, I taught, at the beginning of our conversation, I talked about the importance of having a network. I didn't really think at the time that I was building a network, <laughs> right? So being mindful of that and making sure that you continue to cultivate that network. You know, my mother always used to say to me when I was in elementary school, Mara, be nice to everybody. You never know who you're going to run into later in life. Isn't and that the truth? It is so <laughs> oh true. Oh, my goodness. And, and so to this day, I think back on that. And so even in elementary school, you're building your network, right? So be <laughs> mindful of that. Be mindful of how you treat others and, and treat others how you'd like to be treated and, and continue to stay in touch and cultivate that network. So that's one thing that's, that's really important. Next, I think all of us are born with a special gift, right? We all have something we can give, whether it's, um, you know, kindness, whether it's, you know, helping someone who's in need in, in your class at school or whatever that might be. And so I think that if we all go to bed every night and say, did we give 110% and did I make someone, else lives, someone else's life better today, that that is important uh, because people take notice of that and 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 you'll ultimately leave your community in a better place mm -hmm. and then finally i think that um you know just taking time to think about how you can make your community a better place you know when i think about um giving back to our community and and, and just the community is hungry for people to get involved, whether that's through volunteerism, um, whether it's through financial support, whether it's through participation. You know, our community needs everyone engaged. Mm -hmm. and, and when we think about how do we become a more inclusive community, how do we become more welcoming, how do we become more vibrant, it's going to require all of us, no matter what your age, to get involved. And I think that some of our young folks are the are, are armed and prepared and ready to be those next leaders that really can help pave the way for what our community can be, you know, when you think about 2.0 for the Quad Cities. Yeah, 2.0, I love that. Mara, thank you so much. I really think that you 
you touch on something which is finding your gift and connecting passion to purpose and thinking big, right? Not right. just thinking about your career, but thinking uh, your community and your global community. And you certainly have done that. Right. Well, thanks so much, Angie. Yeah, it's been welcome. a pleasure being with you today. Yes, yeah, connecting passion to purpose. That is why you are a Wonder Woman, Mara. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. That does it for um, this month's Wonder Woman podcast. Uh, we want to thank all of our listeners for your ratings, your comments, and suggestions. I promise I read every single one and get back to all of your emails as well. Uh, you can find more information about all of our Wonder Women on WQAD.com. Just click the podcast tab at the top of our homepage. Ladies out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.